Heidemai, and welcome to the Maxim Institute podcast. My name is Jason Heal. I'm the Communications Manager at Maxim Institute, and we are beginning a new series of short-form podcasts today. These will be released in tandem with our weekly column. They're a chance for you to hear in-depth from the column's author about some of the thinking that went into producing their final piece. Today, we will talk to Maxim senior researcher Marcus Roberts about his recent column. Well, hi, Marcus. G'day, Jason. Thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So recently, you uh, wrote for the Maxim column uh, an article reflecting on the U.S. Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, the uh, the case that basically granted a constitutional right to abortion 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were really reflecting on why it's such big news here in New Zealand. There were reactions from right across the political spectrum here from MPs uh, and ministers tweeting out, even the prime minister tweeting out um, their reactions to it. And in answer to that question, uh, why it's such a big deal here in New Zealand, you made an interesting point that um, one of the reasons is that we're part of the U.S.'s uh, informal empire. Mm. And uh, that really stuck out for me in your article. And I just wondered if you would elaborate on that a little bit for us. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I was being slightly provocative in saying that. Um, But I think it's something that's uh, a good chance for us to sit back and and think about how much influence the United States' political and and cultural battles and and decisions, how much influence they have on us Mm, in New Zealand. It's it's not just a political issue, but you also make the point it's a cultural war issue as well, right? Absolutely. A cultural war issue in a country that's very far away from us in a uh, jurisdiction which is very different to New Zealand and in a legal landscape which has uh, very little in common with New Zealand. So I was thinking, well, why why are we so interested in it? And as you say, I, I made this, uh, as I say, slightly provocative claim that we're a part of an informal empire. Um, the idea that the U.S. is uh, so influential upon us, we, we share the same language, we share so much of the same media. Mm. Um, and yeah, like ho- Hollywood and uh, the music, t- the TV, music, yep, all the podcasts. cultural sports, yeah, yep. yep. We we all look to the to the US, uh, um, and and so in that sense, they're they're culturally important to us. But but I think there is something more to that. That why are we interested? Well, it's not just that we we see Hollywood, but we're interested because as a nation, the strength and the direction of the US is extremely important to us. How how's that? So I mean, in the great power sense, that mm. we rely on the U.S. for our defense, mm. we rely on them to support us. We don't think about that, or we take them for granted. But I think that we are uh, down here in the bottom of the South Pacific. We know that if things really got tough, or we believe that if things really got tough, if we were uh, threatened militarily, um, or say a country wanted to cut us off from the rest of the world through a trade embargo or something like that, then the US would be the ones that we would turn to naturally to try and protect us. Mm. Mm. As opposed to Australia or the UK? Well, I think Australia would be also someone we'd turn to as being our, our next door neighbour and being very close to us both uh, culturally and, and, and geographically. But the US is far more 
capable. Mm. It is the great power still. Mm. Um, and the UK, yes, we, we might like to, to turn to them too. And in years gone by, we would have as part of their formal empire. Yes. We would have. Um, but again, they don't have the capability to help us. Mm. The US does. Mm. Um, so that's that's also the sense I was meaning around the informal empire, that actually we have an interest in the US's strength, but also they have an interest in us. Mm. Um, uh, not nearly the same. It's quite asymmetric relationship. We yeah. care more about they d- them than they do about us, um, just do, due to size, etc. But, uh, you know, that's why we are um, part of their intelligence sharing networks, why we're part of their defense alliances. We don't have ANZUS anymore, obviously, but mm. there are other things that we're involved in, RIMPAC, things like that, that, that we go and send ships to. Uh, we're involved in Afghanistan, obviously, Iraq we were involved with. Um, we're involved with what's happening in the Ukraine now, militarily. So um, there are all sorts of ways in which we are um, uh, taken up by the US into their uh, various um, conflicts and interests around the world. So in that sense, I think we are definitely part of their informal empire. And in some ways formal as well in that there are formal treaties and things like that that govern those relationships. But uh, uh, I guess what you're saying is even more than that as well, their headlines then become important to us and become our headlines in many ways because of that informal and, and formal contractual nature. Yes, absolutely. Mm. You know that that we often say that that America is is so insular because they only think about themselves. Well, in a sense, we only think about them as well. <laughs> it's just that they're thinking about themselves. We're looking to 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 someone else. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so that, that that there is obviously a formal part to that relationship, but we're not a colony mm. in the traditional mm. sense. Yeah. We were a British colony, definitely yeah. in the traditional sense, um, and the relationship that we have now with the US is far less. Uh, formalized mm. um, but uh, it's no less for being informal it's no less real mm. and also it's no less we shouldn't be surprised by this mm. great mm. powers which the US as I say still is still is the great power mm. have always had these informal um, relationships outside their their formal power structures countries that they are aligned with countries that they have interests in countries that they um, um, want to keep friendly um, and so we're just one of those to the U.S. Well, thank you, Marcus, for that reflection on uh, our status as part of the United States informal empire. Uh, thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome, Jason. And now let's hear from Marcus as he reads his column. You've probably heard by now that the United States Supreme Court has voted to overturn Roe v. Wade and to remove a constitutional right to abortion that was held to have existed for the last 50 years. The court's decision in the case of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization was front-page news in New Zealand, as was the fact that all of our major political parties, with the notable exception of National, slammed the decision. David Seymour said that he was flabbergasted. The Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, described Dobbs as deeply upsetting and that robbing women from making their own decisions feels like a loss for women everywhere. The Foreign Minister, Nanaya Mahuta, tweeted that the overturning of Roe v. Wade was draconian. But what, what, so what has this court case actually decided? Abortion has been removed from the purview of the Supreme Court and is returned to the individual states to pass laws about. 
abortion is no longer a legal question decided by nine judges unaccountable to the people. Instead, it becomes a political question, as it is in New Zealand, to be determined by the democratic will of each state's voters. There will now be a significant divergence in how abortion is regulated across the country. Some states, such as Missouri and Louisiana, will have laws banning abortion outright. Others, like California, have enshrined abortion rights in their state constitutions and have promised to financially support women from other states to have abortions in their state. But why were New Zealand politicians so keen to comment on the latest decision of the United States Supreme Court? Why was Dobbs front page news here? One reason is that New Zealand is part of the United States' informal empire, whether we like it or not, and that we are saturated by its culture wars. Furthermore, many of the most politically active of us treat American politics like a sports contest. We like to cheer our side's successes and jeer our side's losses. After decades of ever-liberalizing abortion rights regimes worldwide, Dobbs reminds us that there is no inexorable arc to history. The Prime Minister disagreed with this when she said that we do not need to fight the same fights and to move backwards. But of course many would disagree that Dobbs is a backward step. And in the United States, this debate can now be held in the political sphere, just like it is in New Zealand. So Green MP Jan Logie was right when she said, we must take nothing for granted in Aotearoa. Abortion laws are not set in stone. Democratic systems can and should accommodate dissent. Laws that we think are unjust may be overturned, and we can participate in that process. Losses in the political sphere do not need to be eternal. Change is possible, even constitutional change. There is always another election and another chance to influence the political culture. And this is democracy's redeeming virtue. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Maxim Institute podcast. If you'd like to hear more from us and keep up with the rest of our research and analysis of politics and policy in New Zealand, you can sign up on the homepage of our website to get our monthly forum email and invitations to future Maxim Institute events. That's www.maxim.org.nz. You can search and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the team at Maxim Institute, goodbye for now.